0: By the way, this is our biblical command. First Peter 1 verse 14 says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. What is he saying? Peter's reminding us. Let's go back. Peter's reminding us that we do have a former way,
1: but remember, if we're in Christ, we're a new creation. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like us. City on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Hey, let's get fit. Do me a favor, take your
0: copy of God's Word and turn with me in your Bibles to almost the very end. The third book by the Apostle John, Third John. We're going to spend the next four weeks diving in to this short book in the Bible, Third John. Hey, while you're turning there, let me just take a couple moments and, and tell you about three things that I would encourage you to prayerfully consider being a part of. The first is to be a part of a launch team for our newest campus. One month from today, we're launching our third campus. It'll be called Mission Hill Lake Carroll. We've been meeting there and I've been preaching there since the first Sunday of November. I'll go there right after this service for our 12 o'clock service. But we launch publicly the first Sunday of February, and we're looking for some of you to go and be a part of that. Just give us a mission trip for a year, we'll call it, where you just commit a year to go and serve and to be part of that original launch group. And if you're interested in that, maybe you could just take one of these Sundays in January and go check it out. It's a 12 o'clock service. It's about 10, 15 minutes from here, depending on the traffic, straight down Fowler over to Rome Avenue, right there in the heart of Lake Carroll Forest Hills. I'd love for you to be a part of that. Hey, I also want you to know that coming up this year in 2019, there are two trips I'm going on. I'd love for some of you to go on. One is a vision and a mission trip that's going to end up in Paris, where we'll be doing a Bible conference with teenagers in one of the most... Uh, Unchurched and ungodly cities in all the world, but a beautiful city, the city of love, Paris, the city of lights. But it will begin in London, where we'll do some mission and vision strategizing and prayer walking as we look about launching Mission Hill London sometime in 2020. And if you want to be a part of that, we're going to have a meeting Wednesday night at 6 o'clock that will tell you some of that. We're going to do some neat things on that trip. We'll go through Normandy. We'll also see some of the great spiritual significant places like John Wesley's Chapel uh, and Charles Spurgeon's Church and some of the other great sites of London and Paris. love for you to be a part of that. I'm going to close out 2019 by going back to the Holy Land, so stay tuned. We'd love for you to be a part of that in December of this year. You'll bring in 2020 in Jerusalem if you do that trip. Well, have you found third John. If you, if you got it, say got it. Have you ever noticed how much in our English vernacular we use the phrase honest or honesty or honestly? And we say things like this. Can I be honest? Let's be honest. I'll be honest. Well, honestly or truthfully or I want to be truthful. And someone told me that usually when you hear those words, you know what? They're not telling the truth. We use those disclaimers somehow to describe uh, something that's forthcoming that often is not representative of truth. And the problem is that we talk a lot about honesty and truthfulness in our society. We're not a very honest and truthful society. I I just don't think we are. Our culture is messed up and and, and it has pervaded the church. And so actually, if you talk to people about the church and not just this church, but the church of the big old capital C, all who make up that body that are Christ followers, when people complain about us, they complain about our honesty, our truthfulness, not just in, in a simple sentence or a phrase or a statement, but that we don't walk like we talk. That it doesn't seem that we possess that which we profess. And there is like that great Indian leader of, of years gone by, Mahatma Gandhi, who was a Hindu and said, I really like their Christ. I just don't really like the Christians. And, and so we've got to ask the question, are we being honest about what the Christ life should look like? I was just listening to the radio again yesterday and heard one of the most popular Christian songs on the radio today. It's by Francesca Botticelli. It's called If We're Honest. Listen to what it says. Truth is harder than a lie. The dark seems safer than the light. And everyone has a heart that loves to hide. I'm a mess and so are you. We've built walls nobody can get through. Yeah, it may be hard, but the best thing we could ever do is be honest. Don't pretend to be something that you're not living life, afraid of getting caught. There's freedom found when we lay down our secrets at the cross, at the cross. So bring your brokenness and I'll bring mine because love can heal while hurt divides and mercy's waiting on the other side if we're honest. So in the shortest book in the Bible, written by one of the most familiar characters in all of scripture, John the apostle, we find this principle, this Christian principle, principle of walking the talk of living in the truth and looking like what we profess. This is a, it's a letter. It's a letter to a friend and the purpose of the letter is to commend the friend on the transparent truthfulness of his lifestyle. So we're going to look at this for the next four weeks. Today, we're really going to focus on four verses, but I want to read the whole letter to you because it it won't take long. So let's listen to the word of God in third John, beginning in the first verse, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore we ought to support people like these That we may be fellow workers for the truth I've written something to the church But Diatrophes who likes to put himself first Does not acknowledge our authority So if I come I will bring up what he is doing Talking wicked nonsense against us And not content with that He refuses to welcome the brothers And also stops those who want to And put them out of the church So beloved do not imitate evil But imitate good Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we gather once more, having read your word, perfect and true. And our desire is simple in this room. We want to walk in the truth as you are truth. So we need help. Teach us what we do not know. Give us what we do not yet have. Mold us, make us, shape us into what you want us to become for your glory in this moment. God, we've walked into this room with distractions in our life, things that are not fit relationally, financially, emotionally, and even spiritually. So remove the distractions that weigh us down in this moment so that we might tune in like a laser and hear from you. Give us eyes and ears to see and hear and give us a heart and a mind receptive. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and even the thoughts, I think, in these next few minutes would be pleasing to you. You, O oh God, are my strength. You're my redeemer. You're my hope and my help. And for someone here today, God, I pray that you would be that ultimate help, the helper of salvation. Lord, I pray that in these minutes we spend together, your Holy Spirit would open the eyes of someone who is spiritually blind. And today would be the day that they are changed for eternity. And we thank you for all of this, having asked it in Jesus' name. And all of the people gathered said, Amen. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We continue with our message. I want to give you a little context for this little letter. It begins by saying the elder. We would understand it a little better if it said, hey, this is from the elder, because that's what it's saying. Who is the elder? The elder is a guy named John. You know him. He was one of the 12 disciples. He's the pastor at the church at Ephesus. He wrote the book of the revelation while he was exiled on Patmos. Jesus looked down at him from the cross and said, Hey, behold, your mother, take care of mama, John. He wrote first, second, third, John and the gospel. It's a pretty big deal in scripture. And he gives us this little letter and he writes it to a guy named Gaius. Who is Gaius? Great question. We don't have a clue. And one of the reasons is, is because Gaius was one of the most common names in culture at that time. Isn't it interesting that your name could show up in the book, in the Bible, and yet in the light of Christ, you're really not a big deal. One of the things we wanna do if we are going to get fit is understand our place in his story. So it's written to Gaius, and this is what we do know about Gaius. He is loved by John. John loved gaius and gaius was doing well he says his soul was well which means he was spiritually well but what we know about him is he's respected he's responsible he's friendly he's faithful he's generous and he's godly and we're going to cover a lot of those things as we walk through the next several weeks this is a little letter it's only 219 greek words you saw that it didn't take long to read it. You can feel good about yourself if you followed along when you go home today because you said, I read a whole book of the Bible in church today. It's short. It was written about 90 AD. Now think about the death of Christ. And that tells you that the church had flourished for several decades since the death of Christ. It also tells us that this could have been written after John's exile on Patmos, which is when he wrote the book of the revelation, which means, listen, this could be the last words inspired by the Holy Spirit that we have in the Bible, what we call our canon. So we could have just read Though it was a letter from John to Gaius, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. We could have just read God's last letter to us. And that's an important one. Here's why. Because it deals with something important. John is commending Gaius. Why is he commending him? He's commending him for walking in the truth. He ends, in just a moment, you'll hear verse four by saying, nothing gives me greater joy than to know that folks like you are walking in truth. And that word true or truth is used seven different times in these few short verses. We can learn the importance of walking in the truth and experiencing health. We've called this series, Let's Get Fit, because there's a lot of areas we need to get fit. And in this little study, I think you're going to see that it deals with being healthy spiritually, yes, but also being healthy physically and being healthy financially and and being healthy relationally and and being healthy emotionally. John deals with all of these as he writes these letters. So it, it helps us understand that as an individual, but also as a church. I want you to know something today. God's word speaks to us about our health in every area of our life. Now, how do I know that? Because every area of our life matters to God. Every area of your life is a part of your life that God wants to see work together for good for his glory. And we know that because it says in 1 Corinthians 10 31, so whether, look at this verse, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the... Glory of God. God wants to work in our lives for our good and his glory in every aspect of our life. That means every choice we make matters. Just a moment, I want you to repeat this phrase with me because this is a take home, something you need to remember. Here's the phrase, every choice I make matters. Matters. We're going to repeat that in just a minute. I'm going to say it again. Every choice I make matters. Now repeat it with me. Every choice I make matters. So that relates to your finances. It relates to your physical health. It relates to your emotional well-being and your relationships. And it certainly relates to your relationship with God. I love what Ronnie Floyd says about this. Each choice you make will lead you toward or away from a healthy you. Your choices today will determine your fitness tomorrow. Choose now for your future to be fit. So here's what I want you to do. This is participation time. I want you to take out a pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, Crayola, or two thumbs, whatever you choose to write with. And then I want you to take out the back of that bulletin or a screen or something you want to write on. And here's your assignment in the now. Here's what I want you to think about. Do this in a code. The person beside you doesn't have to understand it, but I want you to think about your health. And what needs to be changed as we need to embark on a new year? What area needs some improvement? Where do you need to get fit? Maybe it's spiritually. Maybe it's relationally. Maybe it's physically. Maybe it's emotionally. Maybe it's financially. All of us have some areas we need to improve. Give yourself a little code there because if we don't know what needs working on, we're probably not going to work on it. So give a little attention to what needs to be dealt with today. Right now, we're going to begin to focus on spiritual health. And the reason is, as your spiritual life goes, so goes the rest of you. Now, that shouldn't surprise you. You're gathered at a church on a Sunday morning. But I want to state that again just for understanding. As your spiritual life goes, so goes the rest of you. If your spiritual life is not good, don't come to me pretending that everything else in your life is good. That's not gonna be the case. How do I know that? Well, I know that because of one of the favorite principles I had a chance to teach you in 2018. So I'm gonna just review that with you. And it all revolves around four words. The first word is identity. Our identity. Our identity is who we are. Now, if I am a Christian if there's been a point in my life where I've recognized I'm a sinner because of my sin, I need a savior. I believe that Christ died on the cross for my sins. I've trusted him for my salvation. If I am a Christian, then who I am is described in scripture as being in Christ. Say in Christ. My being over and over again in the new Testament is in Christ. Say in Christ. And that is my identity. If my identity, if what is fueling me more than anything else in my life is my job or my relationships or my title or my income or what other people think of me, if any of that is forming my identity more than who I am in Christ, then I've become spiritually unhealthy. If I'm healthy spiritually and understand that who I am in Christ is my identity, then I begin to see that my identity shapes my vision. My identity is who I am. My vision is what I see. If I'm in Christ, I see everything through the filter of who I am in Christ. If I'm off base spiritually, listen to this, I'm going to see things off base. I'm going to see things based on what others think about me. I'm going to see things based on my job title. I'm going to see things based on my bank account. I'm going to see things based on my physical health. I'm going to see things based on my impression of myself. And so if I'm off base spiritually, my sight, how I see the world, the filter I look through is going to be different. So the first word is identity. The second word is vision. The third word is emotions because my emotions are going to affect how I go forward and my emotions are fueled by what I see. Now, this is one of the things as pastors we see in people's lives all the time. They make decisions based on their emotions in the moment and their emotions are not stable because their emotions are being fueled by a vision that is not to the filter of Christ because their identity is not in Jesus. And so if my identity is in Christ, my vision is seen through that filter and my feelings, what I feel is governed by the Holy Spirit of God, not just by the whims of she doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't appreciate me. I don't think they care about me. I don't like the way it feels outside. My feelings begin to be governed by what I know to be scripturally true in Jesus. I think if you would ask any spiritual counselor, they would say most of our Problems emotionally come because our feelings are being governed by something other than the Holy Spirit of God. And when that happens, listen, our feelings influence our actions. So I've got my identity, my vision, my emotion, and my actions. My identity is who I am, my vision is what I see, my emotions are how I feel. My actions are what I do. Who I am influences what I see, which influences how I feel, which affects what I do. And so everything in my life is influenced by my spiritual health. If my identity, if my spiritual health is off base, I'm not going to be healthy. If I'm spiritually out of whack, every area of my life is going to be out of whack. We've got to get this right. And that's why I want to spend some time on this. In this passage, John, writing to his beloved friend Gaius, is commending him because he's spiritually right. He has a good, healthy testimony. Your testimony is is what others are saying about you. It's your public witness. It's your reputation. It's what you're known for. I've got a friend, Mark McDonald we were texting this week and he's written a great book called Be Known for Something. And the reality is we're all known for something, right? Some of you are known for being a real positive person. Some of you are known for being a poodle pants. Some of you are known for being really smart. Some of you, well, some of you are, are known for being hard workers. Some are not. We're we're all known for something. It's our reputation. I saw this great quote from NBA legend Chauncey Billups. He says, I learned early in my career that your reputation will beat you there, not meet you there, no matter where you go. Our reputation is not how we want to be known. It's how we are known. And John is writing to Gaius and he says, man, you've got a good reputation. You've got a testimony. You are known for being all about the truth. So how do I get there? How do I get a reputation for walking in the truth? If that is spiritual health, how do I say as I embark on 2019, I want to walk in the truth. Well, it's more than just knowing the truth. Do you realize that? It's knowing the truth and obeying the truth and living the truth. My friend Johnny Hunt puts it this way. It's not what you know, it's what you do with what you know. That makes a difference. It's not just the truth you know, it's the truth you obey that makes a difference. What are you doing with the truth? Well, I want us to look at this passage again, just these four verses, and then let's do a quick evaluation. Verse one, the elder, that's John, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. There's the first time. And by the way, can I just stop there and say, when love is healthy, it's never separated from truth. When truth is healthy, it's never separated from love. All right, that was free. Whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Hey, look at that verse. Do you see that? I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Are, would you be willing for somebody to pray that about you? hey, as we start this new year, I'm just praying that you're as physically healthy as you are spiritually healthy. See, the truth is, we don't know what was going on with Gaius. He could have been ill, and John was saying, hey, I'm praying that since you're so strong spiritually, that you would be strong physically. We don't know that. He may have been fine, but what we do know is is John was saying the most important thing in your life, the spiritual health, man, it's good. Your soul is right. So I'm praying that every other area of your life matches what's going on in your
1: soul. That should be a goal, shouldn't it? You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement